Can I just tell you how happy I am that you're here today? I, you know, just being around people is so, it's so positive, it's so life-giving. And, and I don't know if we really fully understand um, just the impact of what life has been like this last uh, 10 or almost 11 months. So it is great to be with you today, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing with you. Now, <clears throat> let me ask you a question, okay? Now, I'm going to ask you this question, and it's kind of obvious, but, but I want you to work with me, okay? And the question is this, <clears throat> would you like to be happier in 2021 than you feel like you were in 2020? Now, we're, okay, thank you. I've got one honest person. Thank you very much. <clears throat> I, okay, life is not just, it's not a pursuit of happiness, okay? I, I understand that. <clears throat> but, but if we look comparatively, we can look at uh, 2021 and say, you know, compared to 2020 and say, I'd really like to feel a little better in 2021. I think that's very natural. I know I would. And I talked about this last week, just flipping the calendar, okay, doesn't make it so, right? Um, I, I made this, the, the mistake this morning by asking, does anybody even still you know, use calendars? And like 10 people immediately shot their hands up. So I'm not going to even ask that um, because obviously still people still use the paper ones. But when you flip it over to 2021, it doesn't make everything automatically okay. And so uh, what I want to do is, is finish up our series, um, our series that, that we've been doing called New Normal. Not, not, not something that someone else puts on us, but, a, but achieving that, that new, that higher level, uh, that higher place this year than over last year. And I believe God desires to, to, to move us to that place uh, and exchanging the crumminess of 2020 for, for what he has for us in 2021. And for some, 2020 was great. You know, I've had some discussions with people, and man, they're like, 2020 was really good to me. And that's wonderful. Um, I want to share something with you from Arthur Brooks. He's a president of a conservative think tank. And Brooks said this. He said, people who give to charity are 43% more likely than non-givers to say they're very happy. Really interesting. This one is even more interesting to me. Volunteers are 42% more likely to be happy, more happy than non-volunteers. And what that tells me is that people who give of their time and give of their resources, are they tend to be happier people. But I want to take it even further. If you, if you combine those two things, people who, who, uh, who give and people who volunteer, those people are literally, they should be the happiest people that we know. Because that, that is a big, big impact in our lives. <clears throat> I want to read uh, a, a parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 10 um, because I believe it has something to say to us in this uh, subject uh, that I want to address today. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. It says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. 
Um, we, we think of directionally, but also uh, there's about a half mile drop in um, elevation between the two cities. Um, so he went from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. I believe that this story shows us four different things that the, the Good Samaritan exemplified, that if you and I want to get to that place of, of a, a place of the new normal that, that we desire, that God desires, that, that we, we really need to do like the Good Samaritan did. And I want to share those with you today. The first one is this, that the Good Samaritan was generous with his time. Now, the, the, the trip, the distance between Jerusalem and Jericho is 18 miles. And I know you can, you can certainly go further than that in a day, but I would imagine that that 18 miles probably represented a, a full day's travel for, for most people. Um, so it, it was an all-day thing. It was, it was uh, a, a, that, that journey, that trip, there was just basically one road, and it was a place where commerce um, would be conducted, you know, you would, the, trans, the, the, the transferring of, of goods, you know, you would, you would drive along that road. Military troop movement would take place along that road. Um, also, the, the, the people in the region that were coming to worship in Jerusalem, they would very likely have to travel that road. So at different times of the year in the Jewish calendar, there were certain holy days that they would come and worship at the temple. So those worshipers would be coming and they would be bringing their offerings with them. And so it was a road that was very common to travel. And as I did some research on, on that road, you know, you think of a road, you know, we think of, of US 41, you know, you think of, and, and what US 41 is here is nothing compared to what it is in Green Bay, Right? You, you drive through Green Bay and US 41 is, you know, eight lanes in some place, maybe even 10 lanes because you got offshoots happening all over the place. Well, you know, right here in our area, US 41 is two lanes. You know, you, you, it's, not, it's not 492, it's, you know, that, that's not the size of a road that we're talking about. It's, it's not even a two-track, okay? A two-track, that's a place where you're off the beaten path um, and, and you're, you're, you know, you're on a road, but really it's not really a real road. Um, it's, it's something where you can drive on it, but you better be careful. This is more like a single track, okay? And when you look at pictures of J the, the road between Jerusalem and Jericho, you'd think it's no more than a goat path. You know, it's, it's, 
it's, it's not very wide. In fact, we're, we're going to hear a little bit about that because of the, the width of that. But I want you to think for a minute. This traveler, he was robbed, and, and he's on this road. He's in between Jerusalem and Jericho, and that road is so narrow in places that in order to get by this man who was beaten and robbed and left for dead, you would have to step over him. That's how narrow the road is. Now, it says that they went on the other side. They literally, because some places it's like straight up on, on one side and almost straight down on the other. They could have literally been, been doing this number. Do you know, you, you know what I'm saying? Where they literally are getting as over as far as they can because the road is so narrow. And the, the guys that, that had walked around Jesus, the priest and the Levite, undoubtedly they were busy people. How many of you are busy? Anybody here busy? Huh? I, I think every one of us would say that we are busier than we've ever been before. Busy is no longer, it no longer differentiates us from anybody else because everybody's busy. You know, I love talking to newly retired people. I say, how's it going? I am so busy, I don't know how I had time to work. We're busy. We are busy. If we have time, we will fill it. We're busy. These were busy people. Undoubtedly, they were important people. But imagine if the priest had thought, you know, maybe I'll go over there and, and, and maybe I can help. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm not even sure if he's alive and he checks his pulse. What if the guy had been dead? The priest would have been considered ceremonially unclean for touching a dead body. It would have cost him seven days to do the purification process. I, I was literally thinking of our quarantine process. How many of you have thought, you know, I, 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 maybe I need to do this or maybe I need to do that. And then you think, but wait a second. If I would get exposed to somebody who has the virus or just has been exposed to the virus, it might cost me 10 to 14 days. Anybody? I literally, that, that thought ran through my mind as I was looking at what this meant. And so these busy people, they, they, they made a decision. They're just going to keep right on moving. But the moment that the Good Samaritan stopped, the moment he decided to get involved, his schedule went right out the window. Right out the window. When I travel... I am probably not the easiest person in the world to travel with. My kids would definitely say that. My wife, I don't know, maybe she's used to me by now. But, man, I want to get there, okay? Let's get there. Now, there's certain stops you have to make, okay? The cheapest gas between here and, and anywhere, okay, is, uh, is Menominee, okay, Michigan. I literally will, will only put so much gas in my vehicle so I have just enough to get there to fill up on the less expensive gas. That is a reason to stop, okay? Coffee can be a reason to stop. Coffee can be another reason to stop, okay? But, but I don't, we're not gonna go to the antique shops. Do you know what I'm saying? 
That's just me. I, I'm, and my wife, like I said, she's probably used to it by now, but I want to get there. In fact, when I'm traveling, I actually am already thinking about coming home. Okay? What day are we coming home? When are we leaving? Okay? I don't want to get up and, and, you know, twiddle around for a half a day and then come home. You know, let's get up and go home. Let's just, let's, let's get it done. You know, um, maybe it's that I'm impatient. I, I, you know, I don't know what it is. I certainly am a little impatient. But, but it's, the, these guys, that's, they, were, they were just like, I got to get there. I got to get, I don't have time. Now, I know all of us that are busy, if somebody, you know, is, if we come across on the sidewalk and they're beat up and left for dead, I think we would, we would stop. You know, I'm pretty sure that we would. I have confidence in you. I want you to know that. But these people, literally, nobody else was around. They scooted right around. Uh, and they didn't take time to stop. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, the apostle Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I know we're all busy. We're all thinking three steps ahead. The priest, the Levite, they were busy, but we need to be careful in using our time well because we don't have that much of it. James chapter 4, verse 14, the second part of the, the verse, he said, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We don't have much time and we need to use that time wisely so that we can achieve that, that, that level of life that, that God desires us to, to achieve. And, it's, and we're not talking about achieving a measure of success. We're talking about using our time wisely and the impact that that has on our lives. The second thing that, that the Good Samaritan really uh, did well is he, he made a generous use of his resources. Now, this traveler, he was robbed. He was left for dead. Think about this. They took his clothes. If he had a, a, a donkey, they took his donkey. If he had money, they took his money. He was robbed. He was stripped of his clothes. He had nothing of value. Nothing to offer so that someone would help him. And the Samaritan didn't, didn't ask him if he had anything. The Samaritan just went about the process of helping him. The Samaritan took his own wine and his own oil. Now, this was not wine for, for drinking purposes. This was not oil to dip your bread in if you're Italian. This, these were medical supplies. He bandaged his wounds. He dressed his wounds. He did everything that you could do with what he had. He used his own resources. He put him on his own donkey, and he, and he walked him to an inn. Now, I would imagine that that inn was probably close to either Jericho or Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I want you to think about that. He took... The, not only the time, but he took his own resources. He takes him into the inn and he cares for his needs. And then what does he do? He tells the innkeeper, he, he said, here, I want to give you this money and I want you to take care of this guy. 
And if it's not enough, I'll come back. And if it costs more, I'll pay more. So this, this good Samaritan, he, he is not saying to this guy, listen, when, when I get back, we're going to have to settle up. You're going to have to pay me because I'm really, I'm, I'm out, outflowing a lot of cash here on your behalf. He didn't do that. He literally just set out to take care of him. Jesus says uh, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, I love, I love Jesus' words here, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That when we give, yes, someone else is going to receive something. But there is a blessing somehow that is coming back to us. We don't give for that purpose, but Jesus is assuring us that when we give of our resources, that there is a blessing that's going to come back on our lives. I want to tell you about Sarah. Sarah is 16 years old. Sarah, um, her grandparents lived down the street here on Silver Creek. And um, I met Sarah initially um, she, she brought in school supplies for our block party. And Sarah um, was just an amazing kid, and I started to you know, ask her questions, and, and I, I met her more than one time. She's come to Feeding America, and so um, as, as I started asking her questions, I'm, I'm sort of piecing things together. And, and this 16-year-old sophomore in high school, she lives in Norway, um, and she goes to the Norway Vulcan area school system. Um, she, she had a rummage sale. And she made $120 at that rummage sale. And she brought that money to the store, and she bought school supplies. And then she brought those school supplies to Silver Creek Church and donated them to us for the block party. Now, 500, 600 kids will get backpacks and school supplies, and hers were just part of that. But I want you to think about that for a minute. And then a few weeks ago, I, I posted on social media, I said, uh, what, what is sort of the thing um, about 2020 that you would say is your biggest complaint? And Sarah's complaint, and, and I probably got, I don't know, 50 responses. Her response, her biggest complaint of 2020 was that I didn't get to help serve at Feeding America. Now, for a 16-year-old kid, that's really saying something. And it is an honor to have her as my friend. You know, you don't think of a, a friendship like that, but, but literally, I consider this kid my friend, and she is inspiring in her generosity, in her willingness to give of her own her own resources, her own time, her own effort, her own money to do these things, to reach out to other people. I'm proud to call her my friend. And we need to be more like Sarah in, in order to get to that place that I believe that God is calling us to. The third thing that the, the Good Samaritan did, he was generous with taking risk. Now, 
The road between Jerusalem and Jericho was really rugged terrain. I mentioned earlier that it was about a half mile uh, change in elevation. It was, it was a place where bandits were known to hide out. Um, how many of you have ever traveled through the badlands of South Dakota? Okay, a few of you. That is exactly what the Badlands were like. The Badlands were a place where, where bandits would go and they would hide out. Criminals would go and hide out because it was so hard for the authorities to catch them. And so in this area, these, these people, that they would, they would hide out and they would wait to rob people. And when Jesus is telling this parable, as he is unfolding the parable, he's speaking to Jews. And these Jews would have immediately recognized, he's talking about the traveler, that's a Jewish person. But when he mentions that the, the guy was robbed, immediately the Jewish mind would fill that in. The Samaritan would be the robber. Because in that rough terrain area, that's, that's who was hiding out in there. That's who was doing the robbing. So in this story, Jesus changes that up. And it's, the Samaritan is not the one doing the robbing. The Samaritan is the one ultimately that is helping. But the listeners would feel that he should be the one that's the perpetrator. Now, if the Samaritan comes along and he finds somebody half dead lying on this 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 very thin little, little trail, this road traveling between Jerusalem and Jericho, and he stops, and somebody sees him standing over this body. What are people going to think? He did it, right? This guy is risking everything by stopping. Everything. The best thing he could do for himself is literally run past this guy and never look back. But he takes a risk. He stops. He patches him up. He puts him on his donkey. And he takes him to a place where he can get help. He literally was taking a significant risk. In Judges chapter 6, we read the story of Gideon. And God called Gideon to lead the, the, the army of Israel against the Midianites. And the army of Israel, there were 32,000 soldiers in their army. In the army of the Midianites, there was 135,000 soldiers. So there is a, a terrible uh, difference in, in the amount of soldiers. And God told Gideon, you've got too many soldiers. And God whittled it down to 300 soldiers. Think of that. You've got 300 soldiers and, and here's what Gideon said when God's revealing this big plan to him. Here's what Gideon says, chapter, uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 15. Pardon me, my Lord. How many of you, when you talk to God about big things that he's asking you to do, say, pardon me? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is what I really want to do. God, are you sure you're asking me the right thing? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, which is just one of the 12 tribes, and I'm the least in my family. Gideon is saying, I'm nothing. I can't do it. I, there's no way. This is too risky. It's just too big. God, d exclude me. Someone else is going to have to do it. And God's plan, oh, God's plan was amazing. Gideon, I want you to take a trumpet for every man. 
That's why he had to cut it down to 300. They only had 300 trumpets. I want you to take this clay pot and I want you to, everybody gets a clay pot and a torch to stick inside it. And everybody is, is going to, they're, they're going to yell too. They got to be good yellers. So he's, I can just imagine him telling these 300 guys, let's surround the camp. 135,000 Midianites. That, there's a lot of space in between these guys. Let's just put it that way, okay? And on the count of three, we're going to break those uh, pots over those torches, and we're going to blow our trumpets, and we're going to yell, and God's going to let us win. Could you imagine if you heard that plan, how you would feel? You would feel like this is no, no, no. I should have left with those other guys. No, not going to happen. Not going to happen. And yet, God brought about the victory. Romans chapter 8, Paul says this in verse 31. He said, what then shall we say in response to these things? For if God is for us, who can be against us? Gideon took a risk and said, somehow God is going to, he said it, he promised it, he's going to make it happen. And Gideon was willing to take a risk. At the end of 2020, we were discussing how many Feeding America events we would host in 2021. And I felt like we really were, were exemplifying faith by saying that we would, we would host six Feeding America events for the year. And last year in the pandemic, we, we had five events. And uh, I was really happy with that. And having six events would cost just about $7,500. And I thought, you know, you know, the, the finances of it and, and the, the effort of it, you know, six is really good. So we said we would do six. And Feeding America responded back to us and they said, would you be interested in doing 12 if the funding for it was all taken care of? So I was talking with leaders, you know, that, that I needed to be talking with on my staff and on the board. And the question came up, do we have the volunteers for that? And my answer, I didn't have the volunteers lined up when I said this. I said, by faith, the answer is yes. By faith, the answer is yes. We're going to take a risk. And God is blessing the risk that we were already willing to take. You see that 7500 that we were willing to spend now becomes over $22,000 that we're able to distribute that's not costing us anything. And I believe that God is blessing that risk that we're willing to take. And I believe that that new that new place, that new level of normal that that I believe God wants to take us to is going to require risk. And then fourthly, the good Samaritan was generous with his terms. The Samaritan offered a lot more than just a little bit of help. You see, this guy was left for dead. He was in desperate need. Others were not willing to invest their time. They were not willing to invest their resources. They weren't willing to take a risk to help him. 
and the situation required generous terms. And I say that to say this because I think that there are times when we put limits on our terms when it comes to allowing God to use us. God, you can use me if or as long as. As long as it's not too inconvenient, God, I'll do it. As long as it's on my way, I'll do it. We don't even know which way the the Good Samaritan took the guy. We don't know if it was on his way or not. But we put things like that on God where we say, I'll do it, God, as long as or if. And we put terms and conditions and limitations on what we will do at any given time when God calls upon us. If we feel up to it, if we have the time, if we like the plan, that's another good one. If I like the, you know what, I really don't, I don't like that plan. I'll wait for another opportunity to come by. That man needed the good Samaritan to go all in on the terms. You know, the Bible says that nothing is impossible with God. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. In other words, God's power is limitless. And when we agree, when we jump on, when we say I'm all in God, that limitless power works through us. And sometimes we're guilty of limiting it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, he said, however, as it is written, no, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. If you can think it, God can do more. We limit what we allow God to do in us and through us by holding back and putting limits, putting terms on what we will do. The good Samaritan didn't put any terms on his help. He just helped. He just did it. He just gave. And if we're going to get to that place of a new normal, we, in 2021, we've got to take the limits off what we will do for God. Everybody knows that generosity touches people, right? When you do something generous whether it's with your time or your resources or taking a risk, it blesses people, doesn't it? One of the fun things about uh, Feeding America is to, to just see the response of people. I love to load cars. That's my thing. I load cars. And it's, it's funny watching a short guy with a 50-pound box walk out to your car. That's just funny. I don't care who you are. And, and they will just, oh, pastor, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and, and you can tell they're blessed. But when we are generous, there's another blessing that takes place. There's another dynamic that takes place. It's that you receive blessing. And dare I even say healing, and I will illustrate it by closing with this story. Her name's Christy. Christy um, was my babysitter. She is just a little over two years older than I am, so my parents, I told you how much they didn't trust us and how much they trusted her. 
she was 15 years old when she got married. She was pregnant. They were, she and her, her husband Jim were visiting my grandparents in a very small town and she went into labor. And she was rushed to the hospital in us in a um, the, the biggest neighboring town, which was La Crosse, Wisconsin, and she gave birth to a, a two-pound, nine-ounce baby girl named Melissa. They could only touch her in the incubator that she was in, so they, they, they were able to stick their finger in, their hand in, and, and touch her, but they weren't allowed to hold her yet. And after a couple, two or three days, they needed to go back to my grandparents and grab their stuff and, and you know, trying to figure everything out. Well, while they went back to my grandparents about a half an hour away, the baby died on the third day. They were never allowed to hold the baby. And they, they because they were so young, they just, they didn't know how to grieve. They've been married almost 45 years. It's a miracle today. In the last few months, she, Christy said that she had been missing baby Melissa for some reason terribly. 45 years has gone by. You haven't, you haven't grieved it properly. It just, the, the hurt would just probably never go away. She couldn't explain it. She, I know this sounds silly, but um, somebody gave her a cricket. You know, a cricket is a crafting cutout thing, you know, that ladies use. And not just ladies, I'm sure, but in my house, that's the way it is. And um, she didn't know how to use it. So she went online to learn and she found this Facebook group. And this lady would do these sessions on Facebook every day, like every day. And so she learned how to do this. And, and she became part of this Facebook group, 20,000 people in this Facebook group. And somehow she became friends with the lady that was actually doing the teaching. And they asked her if she would be one of their admins for this Facebook group. And, and she, she thought about it. She thought, man, this is going to be a big time commitment and it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot of effort. But she said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. And so they had this admin meeting in, in Mississippi. And so all their admins had to come and, and get together. And the, this lady that was the one that was the, the primary leader um, that doing the teaching on Facebook and stuff, um, she had a, a nine-month-old son that had uh, been diagnosed with cancer and died. Nine months old. And she is just, she's grieving this, you know, and, and got, and big questions. Why would God do big stuff, okay? And here's my, my little cousin, Christy. She's, a, she's not a very big lady. And, and she's been missing her, her daughter for 45 years. And she began to share. And she said, I just began to weep and sob. And she said those ladies, she didn't even know these people. And they just all gathered around her and they just, they loved on her. And this lady who had lost her nine-month-old son, she said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to honor baby Melissa. For the next 45 days on our Facebook group, we are going to invite people to crochet 
beanie hats for premature babies and we're going to give them to hospitals. And over the next 45 days, 18,000 little caps, little, little beanies were knitted for these premature babies. And they're being distributed to hospitals right now all around, maybe even the Midwest. I don't know how far it extends. One lady said to my, my, my cousin, she said, this has helped me more than 20 years of therapy. And my cousin, who has been grieving and, and mourning and not knowing how to resolve it for 45 years, God is bringing healing into her life simply by, by giving of herself to something that she never imagined would give back to her. When we, when we give, yes, the person who receives what we give, they get a blessing. But there is something that happens inside of us that God wants to do. He wants to bring healing into our lives, our spirit, our emotions that can only happen when we open up and when we give to others with generosity. And today I believe that God wants to touch people. I believe you, you might have something that you've been carrying for 45 years and God wants to bring healing to it. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you care so much for a 15-year-old girl that lost a baby, that 45 years later you would work out the details to bring healing into her life. And Father, I believe that you care that same way for people in this room, for those during first service that, list, that were here, for those online from Georgia, and Oregon, places all around the country that listened to that message, you care about them. So before we go, I just want to pray for you. If, you. if you've got something that you've been carrying, you don't understand it, it's a, it's a burden, you, you can't fully describe it, but it is something that you have not been able to get through, that you've been carrying, and God wants to bring healing into your life, into your emotions, into your heart. If that's you, I, I just want you to slip up your hand in this quiet moment, and I just want to pray for you, yes. Anybody else? Yes, 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 yes. Anybody else? Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God who cares. You love us. And Father, we're, we're the ones that have been robbed and beaten, left for half dead. And Jesus came by and he picked us up and he cleansed our wounds and he put us on his donkey. And he's bringing us to our Heavenly Father. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that you still search us out and you care about our pain and that you have come to trade our pain and our sorrow and our grieving and our mourning for your joy. 
pray, Father, that right now that those who responded, yes, Lord, that's me, will simply lay that pain, that hurt down at the foot of the cross and allow you to make that exchange for that which is good. Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name.